Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Daniel Turner. He's the founder and executive director of Power for the Future. Daniel is an expert in energy, environmental issues as they pertain to jobs, rural communities, the U.S. economy, international affairs, and our national security. So all these things are really important. Thanks for joining us today, Daniel. It is great to be on your program. Thank you for having me. You know, we're looking at what's going on in the energy business, and somebody might say, well, what's that have to do with Respect Life Radio? Well, what goes on in the energy business affects our lives, it affects our economy, it affects our security, it affects everything about us, doesn't it? Absolutely. Part of respecting life and, and, and having a, a pro-life uh, sentiment is creating a pro-life environment. Um, and, and that requires, you know, attention to family needs and personal needs and housing needs, et cetera. Um, and all of that is undergirded by energy. America is what it is right now, um, really most developed nations, but America in particular, we are what we are because we have 150 years of reliable and inexpensive energy. And that has enabled us to move the vast majority of people uh, into the middle class to start jobs, to open factories and businesses. And that brings with it dignity and it brings with it uh, purpose and opportunity. And, and quite frankly, the chance to glorify God uh, because you have, you have value in your life. The, the countries that have the least amount of energy, and, and I mean fossil fuels here, I'm never going to shy away from this. I am a fossil fuel advocate. Right. The countries that have the least amount of fossil fuels are the poorest, they're the dirtiest in terms of pollution and sanitation and health, they're usually the most violent, and they're usually the most oppressive. And so if you want to create a culture of life, you have to create a culture or a country that has abundant, reliable energy that allows life to prosper. Which I guess makes it all the more irritating. As I was saying before we got on here, the more I was writing down, the more irritated I was getting because we have those natural resources. We have those fossil fuels, you know, oil, coal, natural gas. We have all those things, yet we have an administration. And I guess to be fair to them, even during Biden's uh, run for presidency, he said, basically, we are going after fossil fuels. And unfortunately, he has kept that promise, hasn't he? He really has. And, and, and this is not a surprise. And nor is the result, quite frankly, a surprise. I think, I think the Biden administration may be surprised at, uh, that they have to deal with the negative fallout. Right? They don't want to have to have the American people angry about high gas prices or hard food prices. Um, but they knew this was going to happen. They were comfortable with it. Um, and it was their plan all along, um, which is really devastating. Uh, but, but this is not at all uh, shocking or, nor let's be clear, this is not uh, um, a bad, bad consequences or unintended consequences or incompetence. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, no, no. They know exactly what they're doing. The problem is that they're comfortable with doing it. And we heard just the other day, right, he's talking about this incredible transition, you know, this breakaway from oil and gas to solar and wind power. And, you know, if anybody's watching what's going on with the World Economic Forum, right, there was a Norwegian finance CEO who basically said, and this is her quote, right, energy transition will create energy shortages and inflationary pressures 
but this pain is worth it. That's what we're seeing, isn't it? Uh, isn't that shocking? Uh, and the reason why they're comfortable with that sentiment is because they know they will not experience the pain. Uh, uh, you know, tangentially, they may hear about it, read about it in the paper, but the folks who gathered in Davos, uh, they're fine, right? Their salaries are such that they're fine. Their status in life, and John Kerry, you know, speaks very comfortably about how this is this pain is necessary to go through this transition. And you know, if you were lucky enough to marry a, a billionaire widow, uh, well, then you don't care about six dollar a gallon gas because you're not filling up your private jet. You're, you're not you're not paying bills. So it, it, it's remarkable that we have this class of society and. and this is the sentiment that drove me to start my organization. We have this ruling class of society that makes laws that knows they are unaffected by the laws. And, and, and it doesn't matter that it brings suffering and hardship to other people. Um, they, they, they are immune from it. We saw a little glimmer of this with COVID, right? I mean, we all need to lock down and stay in our houses but not me, right? I'm allowed to make an exception for dinner, for hair salons, for vacation. I'm allowed to because I'm special, right? I'm, I'm of, of the elite and the rules don't really apply to me. And, and that, that sentiment that is growing in America is very, very dangerous. I mean, French Revolution level of, of dangerous, and that's becoming more and more a, a growing sentiment in our nation. We are right. We're considered the rabble, as you mentioned. But and I think you touched on this when we were, you know, when we first started. Right. The greatest effects of what's going on in the energy, which affects every aspect of our lives, affects the low and middle class people. You know, the people that, you know, are maybe living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, trying to scrape to put their kids through college, whatever it may be. They're the ones who get impacted the most. And nobody in this elite administration seems to care one bit about the lower or middle class. No. And, and, and that's, that's going to lead to a larger divide. You know, you hear our, our elites talk about the, the growing wealth gap and no doubt there is a very growing wealth gap. Um, but the reason why we have this, this huge separation of the very rich and the rest of us, a lot of it has to do with energy. A lot of it has to do with the fact that those middle-class jobs that you get a foothold in in life, how many 14-year-old boys this summer would like to mow lawns? Well, you're not going to mow a lawn if it's, if it's $6 a gallon to fill up your lawnmower because you can't charge enough to a nice Mrs. Jones next door to mow her lawn to cover your costs, let alone turn a profit, right? And that's just the slightest tiny example. But we see a lot of the economy taking a hit because those jobs, pizza delivery jobs, all food delivery jobs, right? They're not sustainable at this price point. High energy costs has made all of life very, very expensive. And, and um, our culture, our society, our economy is based on an abundant, inexpensive goods. Um, so we're experiencing this incredible reversal. Some are benefiting from it. Again, these very, very few, but the rest of us are not. And, and it's a sentiment that is going to get vicious, I think, in this country. And quite frankly, that, that has me worried. Well, and it should. It should have everybody listening worried because, you know, what, who, what and who we elect have consequences. I was at the pump the other day. You know, I filled up two five-gallon gas cans for my lawnmower and some other things. That was 40 bucks. The guy next to me, some young kid driving a, a pickup truck for a business, 
said, you know what, when it gets to $5, they told me I'm going to lose my job. And I I know it's going to get to $5. I just don't know when. So people that live by, you know, by train, as you were talking about delivery drivers and people who do different things get it, but the rest of us need to get it because if we don't do something with our elected officials, then the outlook is pretty bleak, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the problem with a lot of this and the Biden administration has bought into it, a lot of Americans have bought into it, is that we've allowed uh, the, the radical environmental left. And they are as radical, as godless, as, as uh, uh, dangerous a, a, a group of communists as any other movement in history. I mean, these are climate is their religion. Um, we've allowed them to define a lot of our energy terms, right? We've allowed them to decide what is considered, quote unquote, clean and what is not clean and what is green and what is not green. And, and I will give the, 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 the fossil fuel industry some blame here that they never thought it was going to be this big of a problem. Uh, that, you know, they, ah, you know, let them bash us, big deal, uh, just move on and, and they'll go away in time. But they haven't gone away. They've gotten bigger. And so now we do talk about, well, fossil fuels are dirty. What does that mean that they're dirty? You know, and here's a tiny example. Coal is bad, right? I'm sure any of your listeners have heard this. Maybe most of them agree with it. Coal is bad. Can't burn coal. Coal is no good. Solar panels are good, though, right? Solar panels are green and solar panels uh, are are fine. To make solar panels, you have to uh, heat crystalline quartzite to around 1400, 1500 degrees to press it into a liquidish form to actually make the, and they're not glass, they're quartzite, but to make the solar panels. The only thing that burns hot enough at that temperature is coal. Right now we make 70% of our solar panels in China. So you're telling me under this green philosophy, we can't burn coal in America to make electricity because it's bad, but we can have Chinese burn coal to make crystalline quartzite to ship those solar panels on a cargo across the Pacific, load them onto a truck, install them in farmland somewhere in middle America to make electricity, and that's green. right? That's just a logical fallacy that if you walk through the steps, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. And the answer is, of course it doesn't. Now, I'm not saying we should stop making solar panels. I, Quite frankly, I hate the fact that they're made in Chinese slave camps. Um, right. But I'm not trying to I'm not trying to ban solar panels. I'm just trying to say if you're going to tell me solar panels are, quote unquote, good, but burning coal is, quote unquote, bad, you are either ignorant or you're deceitful, willfully deceitful. I can educate the ignorant. That's why I started Power the Future. If you are willfully deceitful, you are a threat to our country, to our economy, our national security, and those people need to be defeated. And right now, those are the ones in charge. You're right. They basically are, are liars. I remember my dad worked in the energy business. He worked for American Electric Power for years and was involved in building their power plants. And he used to say, look, the scrubbers on these coal plants reduce all this bad emission. You know, they're 99 point something percent effective in, in cleaning, you know, of providing clean air after you burn the coal. But it was never good enough. And that part never gets brought up to the people. And as you're saying, right, we're, we're, you know, we cow down to China in every area. Here's what you mentioned is just another way. We'll have the Uyghurs make this stuff while we send them in education camps, re-education camps. And it really is, you know, don't listen, don't pay attention to what you know, the facts say. Just listen to what I say is kind of their message. 
Exactly. And this year, China is building 43 coal plants. And the reason why they're building coal plants is because they know coal works. Now, I guarantee you these are not going to have any scrubbers on them. And I guarantee you they're not going to have OSHA or the EPA certify that they're hitting emissions regulations. They're not going to have anyone inspect the building. The workers there don't have breaks. They don't have uh, sexual awareness and diversity training classes, right? But China's building 43 coal plants this year because they want to manufacture our goods. And they're using coal plants because coal works, right? Show me a solar panel plant that runs on solar panel and maybe I'll never come on your program again, Deacon. Right? Show me a wind power plant that runs on wind power. They can't. They run on coal. So again, the John Kerry's of the world say, well, this is a global problem. Well, I'm sorry. If the Chinese can burn coal with no regulation, then we can burn coal the proper and good way and, 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 and thwart all Chinese advances. So, so what's really happening here in energy, right? And that's, that's again, what my, the purpose of my organization is, is to bring some shine some light on this. You know, people invested in Chinese coal fund groups in America to make sure that we close down coal mines and they celebrate. We closed down this coal mine in Titus County, Texas. They closed it on New Year's on Christmas Eve of 2018, I believe it was. And they all celebrated. We closed this coal plant, right? Well, you, you celebrate that because you just opened a coal plant in China that you're invested in. So, you know, people like Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg, heck no, you can't work in a coal mine in America, but a nine-year-old girl in Malaysia, eh, that's fine because I'm invested in that coal plant and I make money. So the, the, the green agenda is a really evil, and I don't use that word lightly, and I'm a fairly faithful Catholic. Uh, yeah. The green agenda is, is, is an evil agenda. I mean, it truly is an evil, uh, misanthropic godless agenda and it needs to be exposed and destroyed yeah i mean because in the end basically what they're saying is the environment's more important than people and look we see what's going on with abortion and all this crazy things right so their actions do speak to their words but you know you were mentioning coal-fired plants that are going to be built in china right i i think i saw the other day when i was looking up some stuff that the united states is going to be shutting down 80 coal fire plants within the next five to six years or something like that. I don't know if that's true. Is that is that accurate? There, absolutely. I don't know if that's the exact number, but almost every single state in the nation brags about how they are shutting down coal plants. But now there are numerous reports talking about summer blackouts. The, the Department of Energy just put out a how-to survival guide, and you can find it on their website, how to survive a blackout this summer. And, and no one has, has pointed out the irony that the energy department is telling us what to do when we don't have energy, as, as if this is the new normal. And I think that's what they're also trying to do, what this administration is trying to do, is, is to massage it as, hey, look, this is, this is the way things are now. Um, but Americans have you know, somewhat of a, of, a, of a short-term and long-term memory, and we don't forget the days of... of gas that was $1.89 a gallon nationwide. And we don't forget the days of turning on your lights or your AC or your heat pump or your hot tub and, and not being told, well, now we have rolling blackouts. Um, and the states that have the rolling blackouts, where it has become the norm, California primarily, uh, New Mexico, even my home city of New York last summer had rolling uh, brownouts. In those areas, when they know the grid is going to falter, and your, your father who worked in the electric industry would know exactly what I'm talking about, 
when they yep. know the grid is going to fail and they have to strategically shut the, shut down sections, it is noticeable what neighborhoods they shut down. Silicon Valley has never had its lights turned off, nor has Malibu or Hollywood Hills. No Kardashian is ever in a blackout. But the California Power Company has no problem plunging powerless, voiceless, nameless, faceless, normally minority, poor neighborhoods in darkness. New York City shut down East New York, a predominantly black and very poor and quite frankly, very sadly, dangerous part of, of Brooklyn. That's who was told, you guys don't get power right now. And the very people the left claims to care about are the ones who suffer the most under their energy policies. The very people they want to say that we're here to fight for you are the ones who suffer under their policies. And it's just, it's just an abomination. That's the problem, right? They, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. And what you really need to understand is when they say they care about you, they're just lying because they don't care about you. And you're right. It's, you know, the rolling blackouts affect the lower middle income people because they're the ones they don't really care about. They have them bamboozled into thinking they're their best friends when in the end it's kind of et tu brute, right? They're the ones who get stabbed in the back. And we just see it time and time again in this energy Peace will affect everything. People will not be traveling this summer, right? If you run a tourist industry, you're going to be in trouble. You know, try how much does it cost to truck these products when, you know, diesel's five, six, seven dollars a gallon and going up at some level, right? Everything is going to be affected by this energy thing. And especially people, because during blackouts, right, some people are on life support type systems, right? They need it to breathe and things in their home. What are they going to use? Exactly. And, and, and you, I know you're in a, a state that has a huge agricultural community and, and uh, they see the prices when it comes to their job, when it comes to their livelihood. And I try to tell people we haven't even begun to see those prices affect our purchasing yet, because a lot of the wheat we're still eating was harvested last year or it's winter wheat that was just harvested recently. And we're still feeding a lot of our animals food that was grown last year. But now it's springtime, right? And the planting has begun. I talk to farmers who, who, who tell me, uh, a, a, a farmer, a huge farmer in Texas said, you know, I was paying $200 a ton for, for fertilizer last year. I'm now paying $1,800 a ton. When he harvests his crops and brings them to market, that price will get added in. And then when whatever is done with that product that is refined into some sort of food product, that price will get added in. And then when that is brought to packaging and distribution and trucking, by the time it shows up in your local grocery store, you're going to look at a, a loaf of bread in August, September, and say, that can't possibly be the price. So my biggest concern is the real pricing of, of this war on energy that the Biden administration has launched. The real pricing hasn't even been felt yet. The price of gas is very bad. Don't get me wrong. We're all right. experiencing that. But the trickle down of all the things that gas does in the sense of the, the vehicles it powers, those combines, <laughs> when are they going to make an electric one, right? They all tell us, we'll get an electric vehicle. Has anyone ever seen the size of a combine in the Biden administration, right? <laughs> Would any of them know how big these pieces of equipment are and how many horsepower? Um, they're never going to be electric. And, and that's what I am really afraid of is the, the price coming down the pike. And it's going to be bad. Well, I mean, you know, you have a working farm. I, you know, I was telling you that, you know, we have a bunch of animals that we're feeding. Every time I go to buy feed for, you know, 50 pound bags of feed, 
they've gone up another two dollars to three dollars a bag, and that's within a week or two. So every week yeah. it's going up like ten percent, and that's just you know what I'm doing, and that on such a small scale. Yeah, and and this is why the role of the American president and something I think is truly unpatriotic about the Biden administration is doing. The role of the American president is to protect the nation. Um, and it also means to to protect it, not just in terms of war and enemies, uh, uh, clearly, but, but to protect its unnecessary influence from other countries, meaning we are sovereign and autonomous. If you, every time you need to eat, have to go to your neighbor and, and ask for food, you, you have no sovereignty, you have no autonomy. And after a while, you quite frankly don't have much dignity, right? You, you are perpetually in dependence of someone else. Uh, America has outsourced the vast majority of its critical, critical industries. So when this war in Ukraine began and, and we had a number of politicians, and this is truly bipartisan stupidity here. We have yep. a number of politicians who said, well, that's terrible because the majority of our fertilizers come from Russia and now we're going to, to, to boycott their product. At no point did anyone say, why are we outsourcing fertilizer to Russia? I'll, I'll buy my olive oil from Italy, right? I, I, don't, I don't need it. You know, I'll buy my luxury wine from France, totally cool. But something as essential as fertilizer, America used to be the world's largest fertilizer producer, the entire Gulf Coast, because fertilizer is a byproduct of fossil fuels. That's where we refine them. It's ammonia-based, comes from natural gas. But we've, we have foregone all of our fertilizing out and we've outsourced it to other countries. Well, now we're on the hook for that decision. Where was any member of Congress, Republican or Democrat from the Gulf Coast, who said, hey, 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 you can't shut down this fertilizer plant because if we ever have a problem with a country like Russia, who is not exactly Canada, right? Let's be honest here. Um, <laughs> we can't run this risk. We outsourced 95% of our pharmaceuticals to China and only found that out when COVID hit. And China said, well, you know what? You guys need your pharmaceuticals? Well, maybe we want some trade barriers lifted if you want your pharmaceuticals. At no point did, did AstraZeneca or Merck or any of these companies say, why are we moving our shipping to China? This is very, very bad. And Biden is now doing that with energy. He wants to outsource. He's saying, we don't need fossil fuels, no more OPEC. But now we're going to buy 70% of our green technology, including electric vehicles, from China? Wow. Like that's, that is just compromising all of our sovereignty, especially when we know that we have, thanks to God, enough oil, gas, fossil fuels, minerals, metals, rare earths in our own borders to last us for centuries. Why in the heck are we looking to an evil regime like China to keep us afloat? That, like I said, it's an evil religion, the green religion. Well, it is because it's, you know, we're the elite. We know better. You guys are idiots and we're going to tell you what to think and what to do. And too many people have bought onto that because they want to be taken care of. Right. I mean, in the end, we should be exporters of this stuff. Not worrying about, you know, geez, are we even going to have enough for ourselves? Where are we going to buy it? We should have enough not only for ourselves, but to be able to export to even boost up the economy even more, right? Exactly. And that's what we were doing in the previous administration. And, and you know, every time you mention the name Trump, everyone has a very strong opinion. Uh, but we're also Americans. We have strong opinions on everything. Um, but if you can show me the year of 2019, pre-COVID, when we had record job uh, and economic growth, we had energy at its lowest price point uh, really in history, and we were outsourcing it. We were exporting for the first time in 70 years. 
But we also had a very quiet Russia, and we had a very quiet North Korea and a very quiet Iran, because when oil and gas prices are low, they don't make any money. And when they don't make any money, they don't build their armies. They don't fund terrorism. You know, one of my questions, Deacon, God willing, I get to heaven and I can sit down and ask, you know, I'd love to know why he put fossil fuels where he did. But but that was his decision. For some reason, America and Canada are very blessed. But a lot of the countries that have oil and gas are, are, are bad people, right? It's Russia. It's the Saudis. Uh, it's, it's Iran. It's Venezuela. Uh, of course, I don't mean bad people, bad governments, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But 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 that is the way the world works, you know, so we can we can either say, well, we wish it were not this way, but it is this way. And when we produce enough of it to give it to our to sell it to our friends and have a super low price point, we bankrupted them. We kept them quiet. Vladimir Putin didn't do a darn thing because he had no excess flush uh, money, a surplus of money. I mean, it really is. It's mind-numbing to think this is so logical, it all makes sense, yet those in charge are really immoral and evil. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie We Were Soldiers. Mel Gibson's looking oh, yeah. around like all his, all his lines are being broken. He finally yells, broken arrow. And I feel like, you know, whether you look at inflation, fentanyl deaths, you know, government distrust, disunity, the woke. I mean, you just look at everything. You almost feel like you've got to yell broken arrow the way things are crumbling down around us. It really is. It is. It's, it's tragic what's happening. And, and we're watching it uh, unfold in real time. And, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of social and societal ill, uh, without a doubt. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of godlessness. There's a lot of, of just debauchery. Um, but we have to cure one thing at a time. Um, mm-hmm. if we could just stabilize one industry, maybe it will slowly spread. And I feel like energy is the easiest one because we have it all and we know exactly what to do. You know, the ultimate reason why Biden is never going to reverse course is philosophical. Um, when, when the previous administration was in power and, and oil hit its lowest price point and natural gas did as well, we hadn't discovered some new patch, you know, the, like the happenstance, Trump happened to be president, um, or some new technology wasn't invented. The great mystery of, of, or the great miracle of the previous administration when it comes to energy is that all he did was get government out of the way. And when free people are given the freedom to operate, when the free market is allowed to, it produces more of a good at the lowest price point possible in the most efficient way for the greatest number of people. It's how freedom works. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.